will turn with us to the book of Isaiah, chapter number 6. While you're turning there, continue to remember Brother Eddie. I talked to him um, after church this afternoon and was still struggling um, badly. I talked to Brother Meeks, uh, who was um, in a motorcycle wreck yesterday, uh, talking to him. He, as soon as I answered the phone, he asking about Brother Eddie, I said, hold up just a second. I said, I want to know how you're doing. And uh, that's just the type of man Brother Meeks is, want to know about his pastor. And uh, he shared with me everything that happened in the, the accident. It could have been much, much worse for him. Uh, but he's stove up, scratched up, um, wrapped up in galls. And, um, his ankle has given him some problems, but uh, went to the hospital, got x-rays, nothing was broken. We thank God for that. Um, but uh, we're going to be in prayer for him uh, in the days to come. And uh, there's a lot of needs that's going on or that's going on around us, uh, but God is able tonight to meet each and every one, and uh, I'm believing by his spirit that he will. Amen. Isaiah chapter number 6 is where we'll take our text from tonight. We're going to read the, the first eight verses uh, of Scripture. not going to preach anything new into your hearing tonight, but... Uh, what I feel the Lord laid on my heart just in meditation and prayer several days ago he led me to these verses of scripture and preached from them many times uh, but I feel like in this hour he wants us amen, to preach it again tonight and uh, preach the truth from these scriptures but Isaiah 6 verse 1 in the year that King Uzziah died I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple and above it stood the seraphims, each one having six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. With twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Amen. The, the devil may appear to be running the show. But you hear me tonight, the earth is still full of the glory of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah for that. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which we had he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. I want to preach to the Lord. Help us tonight. I'm not going to hold you very long at all. Um, if the Lord will be my helper. Amen. If I do hold you long, it's his fault, not mine. I just want to throw that disclaimer out there. Amen. But I want to preach on the three visions of the believer. The three visions of the believer. If you will, stretch forth your hands this way and ask God's anointing tonight. Father, we love you. We are so thankful for your spirit that we have been made to feel. God, I'm asking now for the unction, the anointing, the empowerment of the Holy Ghost. Father, the same Spirit of God that we felt this morning, I desire it, I crave it, I, I, I have to have it even now. 
I'm asking, oh God, that your glory would fill this place that we could have an Isaiah experience to where we see you in the house of God tonight. Father, if this congregation doesn't see me, Father, they've missed absolutely nothing. But if we fail to see and to realize and sense your presence, then Father, we've missed the whole reason for being here tonight. I'm asking that our spiritual eyes be open, that our hearts be open to receive from heaven tonight, God, that scales may fall from our eyes, that we may see you as you are, that we may receive the, the revelation that Isaiah received. God, we can see you in your holiness, see you in your splendor, see you in your glory. Father, we'll be careful to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray it. And the church says amen. 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 In our text, we find Isaiah as the, the central character, the central person in this text, in the first couple of uh, scriptures. And the Bible tells us very clearly that in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon his throne. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah's vision was potentially on many different things. For you see, Isaiah was the nephew to King Uzziah. Isaiah loved his uncle. Isaiah cherished his uncle. And Uzziah was a godly man who loved God, who feared God, who was a godly king in the, the lineage, in the uh, the, the monarchy that was there in Israel at that particular point in time. But Isaiah watched his uncle make a very fatal flaw. For you see, in biblical days, there was a strict command that the king was to maintain his office and his role. And the priest would maintain their office and their role. That they would never merge and they would never uh, counteract because there is only one king and priest and that is the man Christ Jesus. That is the man Christ Jesus who fulfilled both roles as king and priest. But Uzziah and later on in his years he was built up with pride and Isaiah, Uzziah rather decided that he was going to do the role of the priest and offer a sacrifice unto God. And because of the pride that was enveloped in his heart and because of him doing what God specifically said never should be done, God smote Uzziah with leprosy and Uzziah died a leper. What a sad story for a man who the first portions of his life was lived right. But I can tell you folks, it's not how you start this race, it's how you finish it. It's how you finish it. And finishing the race just as well as you started. And so here is Isaiah who was a, a young man at the time. A nephew of the king who just died and, and passed on. And no doubt there were many things that was going through this young boy's mind. No doubt there were many thoughts that were running around in his mind. Uzziah was a godly man. A godly king who to the best of his ability lived right, but he saw him make the, the fatal flaw and the tragic mistake, and he saw everything that transpired. And then after Uzziah died, I, I imagine that it was much like when 
uh, someone today passes away that has wealth, that has influence. Everybody's just waiting for the wheel to come out to find out what he's going to get. Finding out what belongs to Isaiah. Did he leave me a, uh, a kingly position? Is he going to put me over a province or a region? Or did he leave me a, a nice check? Is he going to put me up in the presidential palace? Uh, am I going to have anything for the rest of my life to worry about? I believe that's why Isaiah penned the words in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord high and lifted up, seated upon his throne. There were many different visions that was vying for Isaiah's affection. There were many different things that was vying for this young boy's attention. And uh, he had to, to make the decision of what he was going to set his eye upon. Of what he was going to set his heart upon. Was he going to try to go after a government position? Was he going to try to go after money or wealth or fame? Or was he going to try to find a way to usurp himself into that kingly spot? It was a cutthroat world in that point in time of trying to find out who was going to be king. They would stop at nothing. You had women that would kill their own children to try to put the one that they wanted in the position of king. It was, it was brutal. It was cutthroat. Was Isaiah going to try to go that route? Ultimately, we see what Isaiah did. The Bible says that Isaiah went to the temple with the one burning desire in his heart, and that was to see God. That was to have an encounter with God because you see, Isaiah got to the point in life to where he could not rely on Uncle Uzziah's prayers. He had gotten to the point in the road where Uzziah is gone and that covering is gone. That general is gone. The man that he had put faith in is, is gone. And he, he come to the conclusion that he had to have a relationship with more than Uncle Uzziah. But he had to have a relationship with Uncle Uzziah's God. He had to get down to business. He had to know whether this God was real or not. He had to know where, whether, uh, amen, this God that uh, Uncle Uzziah worshipped and adored and that Isaiah himself was trying to follow with all of his heart, he had to know whether or not he was real. He needed more than religion, but he needed to have a relationship with this God. Oh, and that's the... That's the crux of the matter for much of Christianity today. Many have religion, but true have that relationship with God Almighty. They know about Him, but they don't know Him personally. They have a head knowledge of who He is, but their hearts are far from Him. They, 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 they know about the man Christ Jesus, but they do not know Him for themselves. Amen. But Isaiah teaches us the first vision that we as a believer must have is we must have a true vision of who God is. We must know beyond a shadow of a doubt, amen, who this God is. There must be a point in time in your relationship with God where He becomes more than just an obstinate force in the sky. When he becomes more than just uh, some deity or he becomes more than uh, just uh, a fairy tale or a man that you read about from, from Genesis or Revelation. There must be a point in time in our lives when God becomes personal to us. When God becomes more than just a force of fiction. But God becomes a, a personal, real Savior. You know, that's the difference between Christianity and all the other religions in the world. You've got Islam 
that their adherents will bow their knees five times a day and cry out to a God that has never one time heard or answered a prayer. They will strap bombs on their body and blow up entire buildings and do all that they can to try to please a God that they never, despite all of their times of talking to Him, He has never talked back. He's never answered a prayer. He's never opened a blinded eye. He's never raised a single person from the dead. And as a matter of fact, the, the prophet that they uh, say that they worship was just a mortal man that died and, and that was the end of him. They have been so deceived by that. Following after a God that never answers, that never hears, that never sees. Buddhists, they follow after a fat little Buddha on a stand and pray out to him seeking enlightenment. Seeking to know truth. The, the seekers of Confucius. Following after wisdom. They follow all of those gods and they're faithful according to their tenets. They're faithful according to their laws. Amen. But they are following a dead God that never has heard, that never has answered, and is never personal with them. But we serve a God and we know the God to be true because He has answered prayers. Because He has taken our sins away and cast them as far as the east is from the west never to be remembered again. Because He's given us His Spirit. Because He's given us His power. His Holy Ghost might. Amen. Because in the midnight hour when we cried out to Him, He's heard and He's answered prayers. Amen. That's the kind of God that I want to serve. That's the kind of God that we must have a fresh revelation and a fresh vision of to where our eyes see Him as He is. He's more than just a Creator. He's more than just one that sits on the throne and judges all the earth. He's more than just the big man up in the sky. But He's God our Father. He's a God that loves us. He's a God that cares about us. And He's a God that wants to be personal with us. He knows our name. He knows the very number of hairs on our head. That's how much this God cares about us. And He desires for us to hold Him and to see Him as He is. We must have a vision of this God. We must have a personal encounter with Him. Listen, He's going to be personal to you or He's going to be nothing at all. If He's not personal to you, then He's not going to be anything in your life. I mean, but as a believer, we must, we have to have a vision of who He is. And this man must become our everything. God must become our all in all. You see, we must see God not just as Creator, but we must see God in His holiness as the one true God. This goes against culture. And this goes against our society. You take a ride through town nowadays and... You, you would be hard-pressed to not find a car with a bumper sticker that says coexist. And they have all of the little religious symbols, Islam, Confucius, Buddhism, saying that we just need to all coexist and get along. Every time I ride through and I see one of those, I get high blood pressure of the Spirit. 
Because the Word of God says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. The Bible said that our God is a jealous God. Listen, He's jealous over us. He don't want to share His glory with anybody or anything. Say amen to me, somebody. And when we follow after that trash and that garbage, then we are robbing Him of the holiness that's due His name. We're robbing Him of the glory that is due His name. Listen, there is that coexist movement in the world today. But can I tell you, our God is the only absolute. Our God is the only true God. Yes, there may be many out there, but in the final analysis, when them and their false little wooden idols and the false little naked Buddhas, amen, are burning in a lake of fire forever and forever, and our God is reigning supreme, amen, in the portals and the glory of heaven. That's the side, friend, I want to be on. And that's the side we got to make sure above all else. We have a revelation of who this God is. Amen. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost in operation. Amen. As the triune Godhead, we must have a vision of that God. Seeing God must be the most important thing in your life. It was for Isaiah. For you see, it wasn't commonplace for men in this position. To go into the temple, that was the role of the priest. That was the role of the Levites. But Isaiah said, I'm putting all that aside. I've got to see God for myself. God's got to become more than me. More to me than just somebody that I read about. Or somebody the priest tells me about. Or, or more to me than well, just, just a song or, or just a Sunday school lesson. Amen. He's got to become... Lord of all. Listen, He is going to be Lord of all or He's not going to be Lord at all. Lord of all or not Lord at all. Listen, until we get to that place where we've seen Him as He is. Amen. Nothing else in this life matters. The vision of this God must supersede our distractions. Amen. Something that just pinned down but so powerful. The vision of the Lord must supersede our distractions. There's millions of things in this hour that's vying for your attention and your affection just like it was in Isaiah's day. He had his eyes. He could have set his heart on many different things. The same way you and I can set our vision and our affection on many different things. But if you want to see this God, amen, in His fullness and in His splendor, He must become bigger than all of your distractions. He must become bigger than all of the voices that's vying for your attention. He must become bigger and larger than everything that's out. Amen. After, amen, you and after your heart. Amen. If you want to see this God. He's got to be bigger than your distractions. So many people walking around with spiritual ADD. Heads bouncing around everywhere. Trying to follow everything that's coming down the pike. When we're commanded in the Word of God, Amen, to not chase every wind of doctrine, but to be settled on what you know to be true. Despite all the distracting factors that are out there. Listen, there's only one voice. This absolute truth. There's only one voice. 
There's only one vision that's absolute in its truth. And it is the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, we've got to get to the place with Paul. To where he said, I perceive to know nothing among you. Save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul got to the same point in his life as Isaiah. To where he said, nothing else in this life matters but seeing Him. The ball game doesn't matter. The political race doesn't matter. Dear God, I don't want to sound hypocritical here. But yesterday I was working outside and I had taken a break to just cool off and I was scrolling through looking at my phone and somebody made a post on social media. They said, guess what? This is the last Saturday of the year that we have to live without college game day. We get to watch college football every Saturday from now to the rest of the year. I thought to myself, dear God, Afghans are being slaughtered by the thousands. COVID has killed 4 million people around the world. Amen. Uh, people that we know, people that we love are succumbing to the illness. Uh, and that's all that we're worried about uh, is a pigskin. I don't want to sound hypocritical uh, because I have my favorite team too. Uh, amen. But can I tell you something? The second uh, that that becomes bigger than him, uh, the second uh, that that vision uh, becomes greater than our heavenly vision, uh, we've got a problem somewhere. Uh, amen. And we're going to be broken down spiritually on the side of the road. Uh, amen. Needing some type of spiritual direction. Amen. We, as the church of the living God, amen, we've got to get back to the place where that vision is the only thing that matters. Where is God? Amen. And nothing else. Amen. Where is God and His glory and His eminence and His power and His might and everything else is secondary. We're in the shape that we're in in the church of the world because we put everything on equal footing with Him. Amen. And He vies for our attention. He buys for His glory. When the glory belongs to Him, amen, all along, amen, we must get back to the place where that vision of Him is all that matters. It's all that mattered for Paul. It's all that mattered for Isaiah. When Isaiah made up in his mind, I'm going to that temple. I'm going to see God. It was then that the heavens opened. And he saw him. His spiritual eyes were opened. And he saw him as he was. You say the Bible contradicts, it has to contradict itself because the Bible says that no man can look on him and live. There's no contradiction at all. When the heavens were open, Isaiah saw his essence, his glory, his radiance. He didn't see eyeballs and nose and mouth and all the facial features of God. But he did see his glory. He did see his essence. Amen. And that's what you, you and I should set our heart on is seeing the glory of God. Not only must we have a vision of this heavenly God, we must have a vision of ourselves. It's only after we see Him that we can truly see our own footing, and our own standing. As we walk this spiritual journey, it is so easy to be puffed up with pride. It's so easy to be puffed up in self-righteousness. Bless God, I believe the full gospel. 
I believed in the gifts and the operations. Amen. I know God to be this. I've seen God do this. Amen. I know that He's able to do this. And if we're not careful, amen, we get our eyes on the wrong things. And I shared with you what Brother Clendenin said. One point in time, somebody asked him, why is it that God doesn't do more miracles in the church? He said, dear God, listen to some of their testimonies. Once they testify about two or three times of the miracle, it was them that did the miracle and not God. It's so easy for us to get vaunted in pride. But when we truly see how high and how holy He is, Brother Daniel, it's then that we're just made to realize how true, truly lowly we are. Amen. When Isaiah saw Christ, he realized this. He realized how high God was. But then he realized how low He was. He saw the righteousness of God and just how righteousness He was. The Bible says in verse number 5, after He saw the Lord, He said, Then woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King and the Lord of hosts. Going into this prayer meeting, if you would have asked Isaiah, Isaiah, rank yourself on the spiritual scale. He might would have put himself as an 8, a 9, 10. He believed in the Lord. He had offered sacrifices. Uzziah, his uncle, had taught him the right way. He had been around the church. He knew the religious slogans. He knew what to say. He knew what to do. He knew how to sacrifice. He knew how to call upon the name of the Lord. But when he saw him, all of that changed. When he saw him, his eyes were opened. And when he saw him in his glory and his splendor, the first thing that he said is, Woe is me. Yes. Woe is me. Amen. This is what I believe led him to write Isaiah 64 and 6 when he penned the words that our righteousness is as a filthy rags. Our righteousness in comparison to his righteousness is no righteousness at all. Right. What we consider to be good isn't good at all in comparison to the holiness of God Almighty. And I can tell you, folks, we are the exact same way. It does not matter how good you try to be without Christ, without His righteousness, without seeing Him, without having the revelation of who He is and what He come to do in your heart and in your life. We are just like Isaiah. We are undone. Amen. Without this revelation, we are undone without the work of the Savior. Amen. There has to be something that transpires in our life because there's nothing that we can do to obtain that level of glory. You can work from now throughout all of eternity to try to ascend unto that rank of holiness. Amen. But you might as well just stop now and save your self to work. There's nothing you can do in and of this flesh to reach the holiness of God. That's why the holiness of God had to come down to a fallen man in the person of the man, Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. There has amen, to be a vision of ourself and there has to be a sanctifying work to take place. When he said, woe is me, for I am undone. The Bible said then, the seraphim came. It wasn't until that confession. If Isaiah would have stayed vaunted up in pride, vaulted in pride, that would have been as far as his experience ever went. 
But when he saw God, and when he truly saw himself, it was as if the, 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 the mirror was turned unto Isaiah. And he said, the problem is not with God. The problem is with us. The problem is with me. Woe is me, for I am undone. And when he made that profession, it was then that the cleansing process began. It was then that the seraphim came by with a coal from off the altar. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs of the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. This represents the cleansing fire of the Spirit of God. God is a consuming fire. Amen. And it was when this is, amen, uh, attributed to our life, it is then that we're cleansed by the power, amen, of the Spirit of God. The Bible says in Romans 5 and 16 that the Holy Ghost becomes our sanctification. He cleanses us from the impurities and the imperfections that our life has within us. Amen. That we cannot clean ourselves and purify ourselves. If we could, then Christ never would have had to come. He never would have had to go to Calvary. He never would have had to endure that crucifixion, that terrible, awful death. Amen. But because we could not clean ourselves, because there's nothing man can do to uh, duplicate or replicate the cleansing fire. Amen. God robed in flesh and the man Christ Jesus came down. Amen. By His blood. Hallelujah. By the blood. Amen. Of the sinless, spotless Lamb of the Lord Jesus Christ. We too can be clean. Listen, the coal from the altar that was enough for Isaiah. Amen. In this story. But for us. It takes the blood. Amen. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. To cleanse us. To redeem us. To wash us. To purify us. In his own blood. Amen. But he does, did not stop there. Amen. That same spirit. That fire. That coal. That he took off the altar. That represents the spirit of God. The Holy Ghost. That fell within us. Amen. To, to further wash us. And to sanctify us. And to cleanse us. Amen. And remove everything in our life that is not Christ. The working of the blood that redeems fallen man to God. Oh, but it's the working of the God. The working of the Spirit of God that conforms us to the nature and the image. Amen. Of this God. Amen. It is important, folks, that we see Him as He is, but then we have a proper vision of who we are beside His glory. The visions of the believer. The Spirit of God, if we allow Him, He will burn out everything in us that is not Christ. Not only must we have a vision of God, we must have a vision of ourselves. But we also must have a vision for the lost. It was when Isaiah was having this encounter Oh, God, as he was. He saw himself as he was. But then he said, Lord, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. There's a whole nation of people around me that's in the same boat I am. When God purged his heart, 
God cleansed the life of Isaiah, immediately the focus went to those others. Immediately it went to the lost. And then Isaiah heard the voice from the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, Lord. Send me. Send me. I'll go. When he saw Christ, when he saw himself, he knew that every man deserved the same opportunity. Knew that every man deserved the same right. And immediately, there became a burden in his heart for the lost nation of Israel. Listen, when you see Christ in his fullness, and he begins a work in your heart and in your life, 100 out of 100 times, you're going to be batting a thousand. God is going to give you a burden for those around you that do not know him. Listen, this is not an introverted work. This is not an insulated or an isolated work to where it's just about us. No, God saved you. You become born again to be commissioned into service in the kingdom of God. If it was just about you and your salvation, then he would rapture you out of here at the point in time of salvation. I believe it. But that's not the case. He leaves us here. Why? Because he needs vessels of honor that he can use for his glory. He needs vessels that will have a burden and a desire to see the lost saved. I've said it many times before and I'll say it again. If a man does not have a burden for lost souls, there has to be an altar in his life to where he prays through. Because the Bible says that the harvest, look at the fields. The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send labors into the vineyard, into the harvest fields, to reap the harvest while there's time and while there's opportunity. Listen, when we see God in his fullness, Kirsten, if you'll come help me, I'm done. Our eyes are going to be opened to the depravity of man. It's going to be open to just how low, wicked, and rotten this sinful world truly is. When we see him in his fullness and his glory, he's going to challenge our hearts to have a greater burden for those that are lost and dying and on their way to hell. I shared with you in a service not too long ago about the death clock that they have. It's a website you can go on and look at every second. On average, 1.8 souls go into eternity. That's two souls, four souls, six souls, eight souls. That's going into eternity. Some have never heard the name of the Lord Jesus. We have got to get a greater burden for those that are perishing around us. How will you get a bigger burden? How will you get a greater burden? You do what Isaiah did. You hit an altar and say, Lord, let me see you afresh. Let me see your glory. Open my eyes that I may see you as you are. Listen, we can do without a lot of the things that we look at. 98, 99% of the things that we watch on television, internet, Facebook, has absolutely no 
spiritual significance. None. They could shut it down tomorrow. They could shut it down right now and most of the stuff that people have in front of their face 24-7 is going to do nothing to enhance their walk with God. But it can do a whole lot to diminish your walk with God. It can do a whole lot to create in the cold stumbling blocks. There's got to be a point in time like Isaiah where we shut all of it down. We say, God, I'm hungry for your glory. God, I'm hungry for your presence. I've heard about you with my ears. I've heard testimonies. God, I want to experience you for myself. Listen, there may be an individual under the sound of my voice that never has had this encounter that I'm preaching to you about tonight. You can have it. You can know this God. He desires for you to know Him. As a matter of fact, because of the blood of His Son, the Word tells us that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. You can approach Him with boldness because of the blood of Jesus. And you can, for yourself, say, Lord, I've got to see You. I've got to see you, Lord. I've got to have a revelation of who you are that's personal to me. I've, I've heard the message. I've heard the songs. I've listened to the Sunday school lessons. God, I want more of you in my life. I've got to have you more. Listen, there's never been a man, woman, boy, or girl that's prayed that prayer in honesty and sincerity that God has cast aside and cast out. But every individual that's prayed and sought after God in His fullness, He's met them where they are. He's met them where they are. And their lives will forever change. Listen, when you see Him, you're going to see yourself. And you're going to see the need of the work of Calvary that transpired 2,000 years ago. And you're going to need the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, and when that is applied to your heart immediately, you're going to be like the woman at the well that has to tell somebody about the man that changed her life. Immediately, there became a burden about those around her that had not met this man named Christ. She went through the countryside saying, come see a man named Jesus. The three visions of the believer, we must see him. We must see ourselves or how low we are. And we must see those around us. Amen. And we must point them to the feet of Jesus. Amen. I don't know what category you may be in tonight. Maybe it's you have, you've never experienced this God that I'm preaching to you about tonight. You can. Maybe you, you have experienced Him, but you're, you're at step number two. You're still wrestling with flesh. You're still wrestling with, with who you are. You're still wrestling with what you've done and where you've been. All you have to do is surrender and allow Him to take that cold off of that altar. Apply it to your lips. Apply it to your life. You'll be forever changed. Maybe you're here and you're born again. But your burden for the lost ain't where it needs to be. Amen. You need a fresh vision and a fresh revelation of Him. Amen. To share it with the world around you. I wonder if we could find us a place to pray around these altars. Be honest with God tonight. Be sincere with God tonight. He'll meet you here. Oh, hallelujah.